So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to Love After Lockup. Ha ha, okay. I'm Miss H, and today Mr. O and I will be talking about Life After Lockup, Season 3, Episode 4. This week, we find out Puppy's release date is coming up. John gets released and wonders if Lacey really betrayed him. Lindsay uncovers Scott is really a Splenda daddy trying to get the girlfriend experience. Brittany and Marcelino discuss the best way to deal with addicts. Andrea waves a butcher knife around and forces the kids to do a lemonade stand. And Michael drops in on Sarah and Malcolm again. If you like what you hear, please support us by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating or any other constructive comments are welcome. And if you watch 90 Day Fiance, check out our other podcast channel, 90 Day MK, Teachable Moments with Miss H and Mr. O. Thanks, stay safe, and enjoy. Hello, Miss H. Hello, Mr. O. How are things going? Uh, They're going pretty well. Yeah, almost winter break. Almost winter break. We're getting there. We were... Talking about that before we started recording, your winter break starts before mine does. Yes, it does. So I'm makes, excited. Makes me a, makes me a little salty. But <laughs> anyway, we have these couples to go through. Oh man! So we almost saw everybody this week. Yeah, I almost. think there was only one group that wasn't in there. Yeah, weirdly, we didn't see Destiny and Sean. Yeah, I feel like they kind of left them on the table. They had a, they had a lot less week. Yeah. So um, I'll go ahead and start. And I'll start with the one that I have. It doesn't have that much going on. And that's Amber, Puppy, and eventually Vince, I guess, Maybe. at some point. So anyway, Amber's coming home when she gets a call from Puppy. And they've apparently moved up her release date. And now she's getting out later this week. Amber hasn't seen Puppy in two years. And this will actually be the first time they will see they will ever have seen each other outside of prison. Amber goes in and gives the phone to Puppy's mom, um, and Puppy tells her, tells her the news too, and everyone is full of tears and excited and happy. Puppy says the only thing she wants when she gets out is a double shot of anything. <laughs> and mom says she's been waiting for Puppy. She's been in and out. She had a little two-year stint, so it's been about six years altogether. Um, and then when sleeping arrangement comes up, um, mom tells us that Puppy, you know, they talk about maybe, she, maybe it was like, Amber's like, maybe she'll sleep in my bed. But... <laughs> Anyway, then um, she's her mom is concerned that Puppy might be expecting more out of this relationship with Amber than Amber is expecting out of it. So I just start with that. Is she right? Is does does Puppy ha- think this relationship is at a different level than Amber does? I don't know. I feel like they're both on the same page. I mean, because Puppy's mom kind of made it sound like Puppy was really into Amber, but right. I don't know. Amber seems to be really into Puppy, so. I feel like they're on the same page. I don't, I, I just don't know if how, like, yeah, I don't know because last week, you know, that her, Amber's mom was mm-hmm. all like, you know, it's okay to be gay. And yeah. she's like the person, and she was like, mom, no, that's not like, and so she, it almost seems like, I don't know if she kind of, if Amber's kind of seeing this more as like a, you know, ride or die, like life partner, but not like my like somebody, I would still want to have a man around. You know, I would still want to eventually be, with, be have somebody else in this relationship. I don't know what it is. It's a little weird. Yeah, I would say weird. It's a little different, right? And and because it's a little different, I don't know if either of them have been as explicit as you need to be when a relationship is different like that. Right. So I my take on the whole thing is that Amber's never been with a woman before. 
like in a relationship sense. And I think Amber really is into puppy. And I think she's just never had a girlfriend. And it's probably a lot different having a girlfriend in prison than it is having a girlfriend in real life. And so I think it's really just about her trying to figure out like what that relationship is going to look like. And, you know, I kind of feel like because Amber's had, you know, straight relationships, that's the reason why she kind of got nominated out of the three of them to try scam this dude. Right. <laughs> and right. so I but I honestly like you I know you didn't see their season. You could tell that Amber was really not into Vince. And so sure. who's to say is is it because she really you know, was uh, super, like, still not over or really just into puppy? Or was it that Vince was really... Just gross? Yeah. Because <laughs> I would say a little... I feel like a little of both. <laughs> right, right. I just don't... I just... It's, it seems to me... I'm not sure Amber is quite clear to herself how she yes. feels about puppy. I, I think so, too. I think that's really fair. And I think it's because it's really... Maybe the first time she's ever felt like these strong feelings for another woman before. And I think she's like still trying to figure that out. And I think that's why her mom was kind of saying like, it's okay to be in a relationship, you know, so kind of seeing that there is like this hesitation there. But I think the hesitation is more so because it's new for her rather than she's like not as into puppy as. Right, right. Because I mean, the weird she always she always says what she says, my wifey. Yeah. My wifey. It's just like, so not like your wife, but not your girlfriend. Like she doesn't my girlfriend for business. She's right, like my right. wifey. It's like it's like inventing this kind of new term to like fit into a diff- a slightly different role. Mm-hmm. That's like, mm-hmm. eh, I don't think she's quite come to terms with it. Right, right. Okay, so we also find out that Puppy's real name is Michelle. So it's uh-huh. like, how on earth do you get a nickname Puppy? I don't know. I've known. I... So I've known a lot of guys that have really random nicknames, uh-huh. right? Like, yeah, like, like fly, like, fly. you know, <laughs> yeah, like you know, and the, the cool ones you think of, like you know, uh, things. I've definitely known. I've also oh, known, like cheese stick or whatever. Yeah, your cheese sticks, guys like that. And I've definitely known multiple guys who end up with a nickname that's not their name but it's another name and it's not like their middle name or something like that like i definitely went to high school with a guy named kevin everybody called him terry all right middle name wasn't terry it was that thing i don't know why we all called him terry but we all called him terry so nicknames are just they're they're hard to come by they're hard to explain sometimes i don't know that is such a bizarre nickname well i mean i could totally see if it was like you know, it's usually sometimes they just come from these little stupid one-off things, right? She could have been on the playground, you know, do you know, doing whatever, and somebody's like, "Would you stop following me around like you're a little puppy?" And then she's <laughs> puppy forever. You know, like you don't know. It just happens. Okay. Ah, uh, yeah. All right. So moving on to another couple that you know didn't really have a whole lot going on. Uh, Brittany Marcelino. So Brittany fills in Marcelino on what's going on with her mom. She tells him that uh, Cindy, her mom, is staying at a nasty motel on Fremont Street. Brittany tells him that she's asking for help, but she's asked before. So Brittany doesn't want to say no because maybe this could be the time that really works out. Marcelino says that Cindy has exhausted her emotional capital. 
he thinks that they have their own family to worry about. And Brittany's mom is a liability at this point. Marcelino believes that putting boundaries is what helped his mom beat her addiction. Brittany says that her situation is different because uh, her mom doesn't care she loses her family. Brittany wonders if the right thing is to give up on her, and Marcelino says that Cindy gave up on herself. Brittany says that this will be the last time she helps her mom, but Marcelino asks what happens if the next time is the last time, and Brittany doesn't really have a response to that. Okay, so Marcelino, he really is of the mind frame that, you know, cut your losses, uh, you need to set boundaries, whereas Brittany is of, like, kind of the unconditional love, like, we never know if this will be the time that, you know, things are really different. So who do you think really has the right approach that'll help with Cindy in this case? Uh, I mean, I, I, I hate to say it, but I think Marcelino does. Yeah. Like, and it's just so hard to do, but at oh, some yeah. point. I mean, it. We you, we we mentioned it before the the, the oxygen mask thing, right? Mm-hmm. You, you got to take care. You got to do. You got to take care of yourself before you can take care of somebody else. And if they're clawing your oxygen mask off, then you yeah. have to leave them alone. It's right. just. And I I get what Brittany does, and it's like it's definitely a. I hate to say because they're in Vegas, it's like a gambler's approach to it. But the yeah. next coin, the next coin I put in might be the jackpot. I got to right. But the next one might be the jackpot. Like I got to keep playing. I got to keep doing it. Right. And and she's also, you know, chasing her losses. Right. And trying to cover them up. But and and he's not even saying I don't want her to be a part of this family. He's just Mm -hmm. saying you can't do it for her. Right. Right. She has to do it. And and until she can. And she's just I mean, Cindy gives her such guilt and such grief. Oh, absolutely. And I and I totally and and Brittany's heart is 100 percent in the right place. Mm -hmm. And I get I get what she's saying. But it's just like, I know you want it to work that way. It just. It doesn't, though. Yeah, I think Marcelino has uh, the best idea because, I mean, oh, gosh, did you see that movie with Steve Carell where he uh, he's a father of an addict son? And so it's kind of and it's a real story, too. It's like the um, person who wrote the screenwriter. Actually, it was like basically his life story with his uh, dad. And it was kind of one of those things at one point dad had to pretty much cut him off. And I actually had um, a teacher friend who, you know, I had found out that he had a son because he never talked about his son. And then I found out that he did have a son, but his son was an addict. And basically him and his wife were kind of told by their therapist, like, you kind of have to just let him go because if you don't, you're enabling them at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's going to be. Yeah. It's, yeah. I get what it's saying. But yeah, the more comfortable you make the situation, the more you make it easier for them. Right. The more they kind of realize, well, no matter how bad it gets, they'll help me. Yeah. Like it, it, it does give them an out. Right. Yeah. But it, and it's it. I'm not going to say it's not hard. It's oh, super fucking hard. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because you just yeah. want them to be okay. So, yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, like, this is this is a really sad situation. But it's like, how long are they going to kind of milk this storyline? That's true. I mean, yeah. I, I, they either it either happens or it doesn't happen. And, th- mm-hmm. I mean, even this one was like, I even wrote, I didn't really have any notes written since I wasn't summarizing it. I was just like, oh, yeah, right. They were by the fire. Remember that? That's that's that my <laughs> notes. I was like, we're in episode. Yes, just to remind yeah. myself because it, it's it's very much it feels it's starting to feel really repetitive. 
Yeah, but I was going to say, what I do appreciate about seeing them, though, is when you, especially you see in comparison, you really appreciate how far Brittany's come. You know, Mm -hmm. she grew up with an addict mom. You know, she was an addict herself. So, I mean... Yeah, good for Brittany, and I guess it does kind of make you feel a little bit good. I guess they might be our palate cleanser, but it's kind of like, yeah, yeah. all right. <laughs> yeah, all right. So we get the sad one out, then we can start to get the more of the juicy ones. So I got, <laughs> yeah. I you know I'll save that one for later. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit up with Sarah and Michael and Malcolm and whoever. Right. <laughs> okay. So we start with Michael pulling a Michael as he just randomly gives Sarah a call that he's on his way and then pops up a couple minutes later to play with the kids. He is still feeling sorry for himself for missing court and says it's, and he insisted it wasn't because there was a girl in the room with him. That's not why he missed court. But he comes in and then him and Malcolm do this weird thing that's not quite a handshake, but also not quite a dap. And it's all really awkward. <laughs> but anyway, Sarah is ta- still talking a lot about how he, how Michael needs to step up and, as if, like, that was a thing that was going to happen. Anyway, Michael is is having his time with the girls. And Sarah and Malcolm are kind of, like, awkwardly hiding in her room, in her bedroom. And, you know, Malcolm is wondering if this kind of thing is just going to, like, happen all the time. Is this guy just going to pop up and scare us and make us, like, run off into your bedroom all the time? The answer is yes. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Uh, the, and, and, yeah. Sarah says, hopefully not if Michael has his own place. Okay. <laughs> he would take the... the kids there. So, <laughs> yes. The short answer is yes. This is going to keep happening. Anyway, she tells us in an interview that Malcolm is just going to have to get used to this Oof. because Michael isn't going to go anywhere. And that's just how it is. Malcolm's face seems to convey that he doesn't really agree, agree that that's just how the way it has to be and that this is an unchangeable situation. Uh, then we get to get to an interview and Michael says that, you know, Malcolm is hella friendly, but he's a soft follower and he doesn't get how Sarah could, uh, you know, go from a stud like Michael to a dud like Malcolm. Anyway, Michael's still there and wants to talk about to Sarah about what got said in court. Sarah says that both she and the judge tried to try calling him. But since he didn't show or answer, they just continued the case. So nothing's been decided yet. He tells her that he slept until 1 p.m., which is why he missed court. But he really wants this. But he really is trying to push her to get this case out of court and into mediation, which Sarah doesn't think is going to work. She doesn't want, you know, to give him 50-50 custody because then he could take the kids to Florida for the summer legally. And she's worried about him doing things just out of spite. Um, but he doesn't. He's like, oh, it's not going to happen. He just says whatever. So the conversation falls apart and he leaves. Because she said he might do something bad, so he gets all bent out of shape and leaves. Michael says he's not worried about losing any rights to see his kids. Not really because he thinks the court is going to side with him, but because he's pretty confident that Sarah's going to back down. So after Michael leaves, Sarah still has to deal with Malcolm, who is himself pretty upset about Michael taking advantage of the two of them. Um, While she says that she's doing all she can to deal with Michael, Malcolm thinks that Michael often gets the better of him her and this really his relationship with her can't really continue if that's going to continue so sarah protests in an interview that it just is what it is and she can't do anything about it so there's a lot of ways to attack this one i think i'm going to ask this if you were malcolm i think i know the answer to this would you break up with sarah (laughs) oh yeah i would i'd be like too drama i'm out (laughs) yeah it's like it's it's not even just like oh your ex is around all the time it's like 
your ex is around all the time and clearly is manipulating you. Oh, and yeah. And you clearly are still hung up on it. Like, yeah, I mean, okay, I felt like he was being somewhat unreasonable, though, because he was kind of, like, making it sound like, oh, well, Michael's a deadbeat, he should just, like, be out of the picture completely. And it's like, mm, it doesn't quite work like that. So I did feel like he was kind of asking a lot of uh, Sarah to be like, all right, like, is Michael always going to be around? It's like, yes, he is. Like, that... Yeah, but it's also but different between be around, and I guess it's a little unclear what exactly he was asking for, yeah, Malcolm yeah. was, because was he saying that, mm-hmm. which is one interpretation, or in my head, because I'm filling in blanks, of course, is him being like, uh, why didn't you tell him, no, you can come by tomorrow when Malcolm's not around? Like, why did you just let him pop up whenever the fuck he wants to pop up? Like, it's just awkward that I'm here. Like, tell, like let me know when he's going to be there, and I can be scarce. Why he's just always coming up on us. Um, yeah, I just, I, it kind of made it sound like he wanted it to look a certain way. And I was kind of bothered by both of them, to be honest, because Sarah kind of being like, well, he's just always going to be there. It's like, I feel like she's also bending over backwards to accommodate him. So she ensures he's always going to be there. Right. And at the expense of her own relationships. And so that's the part I don't really agree with. Like, I get it. You want the child's fathers to be in their lives. But at what point do you are just, you know, be a little selfish, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's my thing is like, and I, I, we're, so, so we're out, Malcolm is, we're just, you know, we're sitting around having family time, watching the TV and this guy just knocks on our door. And now we got to run into the bedroom so he can play with these kids. Like, no, that's not how it works. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that, that, that's not accept. That's not an acceptable way to handle this. That's not just something you have to be like, well, this is the way it is because it's like she keeps giving it on his terms. She wants Michael to be in these kids lives, which mm-hmm. is totally reasonable, totally fine. Yeah. But she just is also giving to giving it to him on his terms. Oh, absolutely. And, and whenever she frames it in her terms, she buys into his, you're just trying to take my kids. Yeah. She's like, no, I'm just trying to have this be on my terms for once instead of your terms, like our entire relationship has been. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, like what Michael kind of said about his relationship with Sarah and Sarah's relationship with Malcolm isn't wrong. You oh, no, know? he's not wrong at all. No. no. I kind of felt like, yeah, Malcolm is really easygoing and he is a pushover and Michael is the opposite. But that doesn't necessarily draw the conclusion of he uh, she should be with Michael and not Malcolm, because I think Malcolm is better for Sarah. But I think Sarah isn't used to dealing with someone like Malcolm. She is more used to dealing with someone like Michael and she's not going to keep a Malcolm if she keeps on you know, letting a Michael have his way. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think he's, I think Michael is totally right too. He's, he would absolutely lose in court. No doubt. Yeah. If they went to court tomorrow and she said, listen, I won't focus. If she would have said when he missed the court date, Mm -hmm. I won't full custody. She'd have it. Yeah. But she didn't say that. And she didn't want to say that. And she's all, she, she is more interested in using the threat of full custody to try to coerce him into being better than mm-hmm. she is about actually getting full custody. And he knows it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, as much as I hate that she does, she just like, she needs to get over him. Yeah. You know, it's because 
she's just like making her situation so much worse because she would at any moment like Michael's not wrong she would leave Malcolm in a heartbeat to be back with Michael it makes no damn sense to me I don't get it at all and she knows it doesn't make sense because she always says it's not true and like the it's definitely one of those denials that is like that did not convince me at all <laughs> right right but it's like you all know that one person that keeps on going back to their ex even though they talk Mm -hmm. so much shit on their ex when they're broken up i would never get back together with them and then you know it's like oh and then two seconds later they're back together again with them right yeah yeah i mean it's not totally i feel like i also feel like even if you take her at her word if you're if you're going past that and like all right great sarah you don't want you hate michael and you don't want to ever be with him he ruined everything right fine okay which i don't think is true Mm -hmm. um like she goes, it's it's almost like the same conversation we were having with Brittany. She feels like, well, if I let him come over and see the kids now, he'll fix it. If I just keep let, giving him what he wants a little bit, he'll fix it. Instead of being like, no, the way he's going to get it together is by being like, when you get it together, please come back. Yeah. Like that's when you can come back. I don't know if he's ever going to get it together. And he's then not. quite honestly, we kind of talked about this um, at on the last episode about how he got arrested for child neglect. Would you really trust him with your children? And granted, it's not your children that he did this with. But the fact that he did this with a child in his care, would you trust even if he is the father of your children? And she knows it. She's like, you can't have the kids in Florida. Like that's a non-starter. Because right. she knew something, knew something like that's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't think she's ever going to get to the point where he's going to be able to have the kids overnight. That's just never happening. Yeah, yeah true. I All right. Uh, moving on to Andrea and Lamar. Uh, they are all having a family dinner on the couch. And Andrea asks Priscilla how her day at the beach was. Priscilla almost lets it slip that they met up with Shantae when she says that they talked to. And then Lamar tried to cover it up by saying that she talked to Alfredo, the ice cream man, because he was a smooth operator. Andrea then changes the subject and brings up Tennyson's concern over their family life. Tennyson tells us that he is concerned for Priscilla living with Andre and Lamar fighting the way that they do. Andrea says she thinks the solution is a family therapy day. And Nyla says she thinks the solution is Andrea not trying to control Tennyson's life. Andrea doesn't like that idea. And she feels like everyone is ganging up on her. Andrea says she feels like her feelings won't be validated by the family. Andrea says that she loves waving a butcher knife around as she makes an announcement with the kids that they are going to give back to the community and do a lemonade stand and donate the proceeds. She hopes that it will help develop their talking skills and help Tennyson get a taste of what his mission would be like. Uh, Tennyson and Nyla both think that this is a dumb idea. They set up their stand on the sidewalk and Andrea demonstrates what a sale should look like then goes back into the house where she claims the light of Jesus is. Tennyson and Nyla joke that their mom is punishing them by following through with her threat to show them the ghetto. Priscilla is playing with her family tree and she shows Nyla and Tennyson. Tennyson and Nyla seem to know about Shantae uh, and they don't really know exactly why Andrea doesn't want Lamar or to have Shantae around. Priscilla then tells them that she met Shantae at the beach. She tells them that Lamar made her pinky promise not to tell, so she asks them not to say anything to their mom. Nyla thinks it's wrong to have someone promise to keep something from a parent, and Priscilla is worried that both parents will be mad at her. Tennyson wonders how Lamar doesn't see this will all lead to 
to disaster. And then Priscilla starts to cry. Uh, Priscilla is an interesting character. Like, I know she's young, but it's like, are, you, are eight-year-olds really that terrible at keeping secrets? I, I felt like it was so over the top, like... Oh, I thought it was super fake. Oh, okay. I'm just working on my family tree out here. Like, I right. just, it seemed so super fake to me. The whole thing. It did to me, too. Yeah. Uh, but do you think that Nyla is right in saying that Lamar is in the wrong here for having Priscilla uh, lie to her parent? Yeah. Like, I, I, I kind of agree in principle that keeping secrets from your parents is bad. Mm-hmm. But, like... I don't know. It's also bad for her to be unreasonably mad about this. Right. And so keeping her away from her family. Right. It's almost like, I mean, honestly, it, at the end of the day, it's bad to put this on the eight year old. Yes. Right. For On Lamar's case to be like to have the eight year old be keeping this secret and stuff. That's just that's probably bad form. If he wants Shantae to be a part of his life and he needs to step up and tell Andrea, like, listen, I don't care what you say or what you mm-hmm. think. My daughter's gonna be part of my life. Like, end of story. Like, she does all the time, right? She's allowed to do that. She's allowed to make decisions. They'd be like, sorry, end of story. This is what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the way he has to handle it. He can't handle it through the kids. That's that's not. that's So he is in the wrong in that, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Uh, What was the point of this lemonade stand? (laughs) This was so weird and fake, too. I could not get at least, like, at least... You know, Tennyson and Nyla were like, like Tennyson was like, this is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Like, right, it, right. So dumb. Especially, it was clear that this is during COVID times because the one person that had a mask on. <laughs> yeah, had a mask on. And it's like, during COVID times, do you really think people are going to want to drink your possibly infected lemonade? Do you think if you went by a lemonade stand that was being run by two teenagers, that you would think it would be actual lemonade? <laughs> Oh, God. Actually, funny story about that. So uh, down in Newport Beach, uh, they close off the streets and it's like a huge party for Fourth of July. And I was like riding my bike and there were these kids that were like doing a lemonade stand. And when I say kids, like these were younger than Priscilla, like five or six. Yeah, yeah, totally. So they were like selling lemonade for like a dollar. So my friend bought a lemonade from these kids and it had vodka in it. (laughs) That's hilarious. So, yeah. I mean, I always buy. If I see, if I see kids that little running a lemonade stand, I always mm-hmm. buy a lemonade, right? You have to. Sure. Right? But, like, yeah, if I saw an 18-year-old and a 16-year-old running a lemonade <laughs> stand, I'd be like, what are you? Go to Chick-fil-A. Get a job. What are you doing? Can't be making that much off of uh, lemonade anyway. Actually, um, from running club stuff, like being a club advisor, uh, the biggest uh, profit margins are is cotton candy. So, oh, yeah, yeah cotton sugar is super cheap. Cotton candy. And then right after that would be shaved ice. I believe it. Well, we are. Yeah, we have we, we in here. Here we don't do shaved ice. We call them snowballs. Oh, yeah. Um, it's basically thing. the same thing. But yeah. they're, they're a little bit. There's a Baltimore style snowball. It's a little bit different than the shaved ice and clearly <laughs> superior. But yeah, and there's there's stands all over the place. And I'm sure the profit I'm sure because it's just like. I mean, it's not to, it's not two squirts of syrup. It's a lot of squirts of syrup. Right. But it's right. the syrup is what you're paying for, right? Yeah, yeah. I just okay. So I, you also left off why Lamar said that we should be focused on happy husband. Yeah, maybe I missed that. You did. Oh yeah, because he said it shouldn't be happy life, happy wife, happy life. Should be happy husband. More fucking. <laughs> oh, okay. The reason why was because. 
I couldn't I had a hard time with the filling in the blank of that because <laughs> obviously they bleeped that out. They did bleep it out. But that was he was like, oh, is it, though? I feel like happy wife is still a way for there to be more fucking than happy. Husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same, same, especially as Andrea. Like she's oh, yeah. one of those people that's so spiteful that if she ain't happy. Ain't nobody happy because she's going to make your life miserable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She is not. Yeah, she is not going to put out if you, if she's upset with you. That's not happening. You can sleep on the couch. She is, well, she's I mean, forget sex. Like, she's just actively going to make the family miserable. Well, I'm saying that's just, she's making you sleep on <laughs> He's sleeping on the freaking couch. Like, oh, I know, right? Like, yeah, just, just going to make uh, – that's why. And that's what Tennyson and Nyla are always worried about. They're just like, she's actually actively going to spite us. She's going to make us eat dinner off the coffee table for some reason. Yeah, that was bizarre. But I guess they don't really have a table. I don't know. I think I have a counter or something. I don't know. Yeah. It just, it seemed like a really awkward eating situation. Definitely did. All right. Anyway. So now we get to Scott and Lindsay. Oh my goodness. Yes. We finally, we finally find something out. Yeah. So Scott goes off to work and then Lindsay immediately gets to work, turning the tables on him and <laughs> snooping around on Scott. She thinks that his suspicions, since he's been snooping around on her, are just projections. And she starts looking for passwords, looking at his bank statements and his bills. And she finds all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. She finds out a lot of his bills are delinquent. She also finds a lease agreement for the house that they're living in that he told her he had oh bought. Gosh. Right. And then he kind of finds him looking for things to keep track of her, like looking up cell trackers, hidden cameras. He finds that she he was making photocopies of her letters, but that was all the undercard because the biggest find was when she pulled his burner phone out of the out of the desk, and in the burner phone he had been using to message and set up meetings with all kinds of prostitutes, <laughs> which um, she says he was doing I guess while she was in prison. Not I don't think I, I didn't get the impression that it was like still going on when she got right, out. Right, right, yeah. Because how could she? They're quarantined there, She's together. there all the time. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, then the next scene, she's still looking at these pictures and messages on this phone. She says there's a disturbing amount of pictures and messages there. <laughs> Soon she calls her mom, Brenda, to get some advice. Uh, she tells her what she found on the phone. And Brenda is concerned about their about their safety because of his pervish accent, actions. She also tells Brenda about all the delinquent bills and how she's concerned that he won't be able to provide for her and Miley Grace. She because that's that's I mean, it is a concern. Like it, it's secondary, but she wants yeah. Brenda to come over. And because she feels like Scott is not the same person um, that she was taught that she feels like she was talking to when they were in prison. All right. So what is a disturbing number of pictures? I mean, I think like one is pretty dis is already oh, pretty disturbing <laughs> from an escort yes like a disturbing amount of pictures and messages uh i guess enough to be like this was not a one-off event okay right? right so okay this guy like may possibly have an addiction i just it's a lot but it's weird because he doesn't based on what the messages they were reading were mm -hmm. right it's not like he, he seems to not quite be comfortable in it 
Right. Right. Because he was trying to get the girlfriend experience, definitely. Right. He was trying to get the girlfriend experience. <laughs> and he was like, maybe I could take you out to dinner. She's like, listen, I go out for get, if I get paid. I go out when I get paid. Like She had to like, yeah. break it down for him. I'm an escort. Like, and that's what's funny is like at first I was like, well, maybe she's a little confused. And then the woman was like, I am an escort. I will blow you for one hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> like I was like, oh, OK, so. Yeah, there really is no misinterpreting this text conversation. I mean, it doesn't surprise me because of how pervy he talked about Lindsay like when. Uh, before he had met her and he was kind of like oh anyone i my friends will be so jealous of me that i'm some 50 year old dude with some hot 20 something year old and you sure. know like he's just super pervy so it doesn't really surprise me um also he's not it doesn't seem like he's got a whole lot going for him he doesn't have money he doesn't have the looks to not have money. He doesn't right. have the personality to not have money. All true. So it's kind of like, uh, yeah. who are you really getting unless got, you pay them in some way? Yeah, you got. Yeah, it's, I feel like you gotta have. You gotta have at least some sort of combination of those three. You gotta be like, you know, right. money, attractive, and charming. Like you gotta, yeah. you gotta have something going on in one of those right. three categories. Yeah, and he definitely does not have the looks or personality on. And his most side. importantly for Lindsay doesn't have the money <laughs> right uh but lying about those things is like so much worse i oh, don't yeah, know yeah. but then at the same time does it surprise you at all because then i think about sean it's like sean i feel like has been super lying about his money situation too right but she doesn't care because like De sean and destiny is different she's just gonna get what she can get and get out yeah. like she's yeah. not like oh i think this guy will provide for me for years to come she's just like whatever i'm gonna burn through it and get out Right. No problems. I don't know. I was super suspicious from the very, well, I shouldn't say from the very beginning. I wasn't suspicious from day one. But the moment he rolls up, like, in his beater truck, that's his only car that he has, I kind of gave him a pass because I was like, well, he's coming from New York, and most people don't even drive, like, in New York, right? Well, I so don't even know if he, he was coming. He, well, I don't think he was coming from the city. I think he was coming from upstate. Oh, well, then I have no idea. And then on top of that, it was kind of like he came in with that interior designer, had all these grand plans. Oh, yeah. And then when you see the house, you're like, okay, it looks like nothing has happened. Like, right. since the interior designer came right, in. Right. Because that first episode he was on, he came in with the interior designer. I was like, money is no object. Just do whatever you want. And then. Right literally nothing of it happened and he yeah. was doing it all himself there wasn't any contractors in there there wasn't any a crew installing the cabinets anything yeah. like that it was just him trying to do it after work like i was with you too i was kind of giving a break on the truck because i was like oh maybe he came straight from work it's not his personal mm -hmm. car it's his it's his work truck which you know your crew truck is gross yeah. and beady like it's fine i get it if you're like a contractor or something but yeah and we don't even, are we even sure what he does? No, we don't even know what his company is. I don't even know. And then also I recognize his furniture from Bob's Discount Furniture, which is like fine. I have stuff from Bob's. That's how I recognize it. But it's like. <laughs> <laughs> but you you're know, not, like, you're not like, oh, I'm going to take money. You're not, money right. is no object to an interior designer yeah. and then yeah. having furniture I'm from not Bob's trying to pretend it. like my furniture is all like upscale and like super expensive. Yeah, I'll give her every luxury check, every luxury she wants i'll give her yeah okay yeah fair so oh goodness uh the hidden cameras was very concerning to me 
Like, I would be that way, too. I wasn't clear on whether or not he was he she it was that that was just like a search history thing or if she found like a receipt or a purchase for the hidden like cameras. he had an account with them. It kind of seemed like. Oh, OK. So that's different because that would be my next step. Like I was like, oh, shit, he might be watching me look at his computer right now. Right. But then at that point, like who really cares? Yeah. I like, you want to find the hidden camera, just hold up the burner phone to it. And be like. Look what I have. <laughs> Look what I found. <laughs> yeah, but that is kind of creepy because it's like he seems super pervy. So I would be super concerned. Like, are you like filming us have sex? You yeah. know, like, what are you going to do with that? Like, that's just really creepy and gross. Oh, no. Like, hidden cameras are gross. Uh, yeah, that that that's totally true. Yeah. Because, uh, well, I mean, and then obviously like filming, that's. Okay, so I'm not exactly sure on the law. Not that I have to worry about it. Because I'm not pervy with hidden cameras. Um, like, where is the law on that? Is that illegal to film someone unknowingly having sex with you? Is it not illegal until you... Is it not illegal until you distribute it? Like, Right. I was going to say, I don't think there really is anything until kind of like there's proof. Like, if you filmed it and just kept it to yourself. Like, yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah. But obviously, if you once, once you start distributing it, now we're on all kinds of... Right. Now yeah. you're liable and it's traceable and all that. Yeah, but it also has to do with like expectations of privacy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Because people get if you put one in the in a bathroom, like you get in trouble whether whether you distribute oh, it right, or not. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh goodness. Okay. So two fashion notes with them. One girlfriend needs to blend her eyeshadow. Like her eyeshadow is like insane, and it's not that you know, like whatever your color, whatever your preference. But for the love of God, just blend it in. You shouldn't see distinct lines. A hard line on the yeah. ed- on the edge, or on the edge, or between two colors. No, just uh, when you're uh, have your eyeshadow like. It should blend into either another color or just into, into something. Skin. Yeah. Like, okay. You should never see like a distinct line, like for eyeshadow specifically. Sure. Okay. The other thing is um, when they did that recap of uh, Lindsay and Scott at the airport when they first had their like first meeting and he like hugged her or whatever. Did you notice he was wearing lifts in his shoes? Like his shoes were almost like these like wedges. And I'm like, oh, he must be short, too. He he probably is a little short enough. He's worried about it because, yeah, because the wedge thing is weird because you can usually tell when a guy because you don't. Usually they don't wear guys who wear lifts don't wear wear them on the inside of their shoes, right? Because mm-hmm. it's super yeah. obvious if there's freaking platform shoes that you're walking right, around in, right. right? But when they do, they they almost, you know, because they don't practice like women in high heels. They, they're like almost falling forward. They get this yeah. certain. Yeah. There's a certain like posture they take mm-hmm. and, that you can see, and you can also see it because it looks like their heels about to fall out of the back of their shoe. <laughs> yeah. Like, but there's a, a certain like arched back, like uh, like they're about to fall forward the whole time. Right, like they're right. standing on the edge of a cliff. Interesting. I don't, I didn't notice it, but I totally believe it. It's like, oh, another strike against you. Like I don't know. Right. And you know, and it's kind of sad too because I know people kind of go after him for you know like wondering what's going on with his lip or whatever. But uh-huh. it's like. You know, people that have something that they feel self-conscious about, like, try to compensate in this other way. And so I kind of feel like Scott's deal is that he probably doesn't feel the best about 
himself or not super confident that he could get, you know, other women that, you know, are of what he kind of thinks he deserves, I guess, or, Uh you know, Uh, and so it's kind of like, I feel like that's the reason why he lies is because he doesn't think he can get a woman any other way. So you're going to lie about money. You're going to lie about your height. You're going to lie about your situation. Let's say if, if he was honest about how much money he had, Lindsay would not be there. Oh, no, absolutely not. So, like, he's not totally wrong that he has to lie to get oh, that no. caliber of woman. No. Yeah. He has to lie about his personality, too, because he sucks. Oh, uh, he sucks <laughs> so many, so many levels. Yeah. All right. Uh, so last step I have is Lacey and Shane. So we actually start off with John. So John is getting picked up by his friends, Joe and Stephanie. And this is supposed to be about 10 months after he got sent back to jail. John is paroling to Joe's house. John thought he was going to have a relationship and a future with Lacey. He says they were in a good place last year when all of this went down and he was going to move in with her. Then they went to the strip club. They got in a huge fight because he was talking to another stripper. He thinks that Lacey got mad and called the cops on him, and he was arrested for a DWI with no bond. He says he was in love with her, and he still has feelings for Lacey, even though she did betray him. But then John wonders if it was Shane who called the cops, and he just wonders why he was betrayed, and he just he just really wants to know what the real story is. He wants to find the truth, and he feels like it will set his mind at ease. He is excited about Joe's house, and he knows how lucky he is. Back at Lacey's house, she is making lunches for the kids. She is feeling a little overwhelmed that Shane is always working, and she feels like taking care of all the kids while being pregnant is just a lot for just her. Back at John's, uh, John is helping his friend Joe out with his HVAC. John says he wants to get closure. He thought that, you know, him and Lacey were going to have a happily go after and his feelings were hurt. He admits that he wants to see Lacey because he wants to get over her. He thinks that Lacey is no longer with Shane. Joe thinks that, you know, this is a bad idea. They then take a look at her Instagram and gather that she is still with Shane. John thinks that Lacey is deceiving. Joe says that he has a good girl and he wants to set John up. John is open, but he wonders what Lacey sees in Shane because Shane doesn't have an education or a career and he's clearly not on John's level. John says he's on his way to a house, a boat, and a big-ass truck. John thinks that Lacey is going to try and come back but uh, because she's unable to stay faithful for long. All right, so uh, I kind of almost forgot about the whole, like, how John got back to jail in the first place. Yeah. But it wasn't really clear even back then. Everything was speculation from John because Lacey would never admit that she called the cops on him. No, certainly not. Snitches get stitches and all that. Right. Right. So, but do you think Lacey called the cops on John? No, I don't. I, I don't. I don't know what. I don't. I guess I don't know what she would get out of that, right? And I, right. I, I totally would believe that he was being super obnoxious and drunk at the strip club, and somebody uh-huh. at the strip club called the cops. And as soon as he pulled off, they were like, "Yeah, that guy's drunk." Like, yeah, pull him over. yeah. You know, I can like, definitely see that too. <laughs> it is funny to me. Like, I, I've had a friend who's had, oh gosh, multiple DUIs, and one of the things is like. Just in his mind, he was like, 
how how do the cops always like target me? And it's like, well, you're probably driving like it because you're driving drunk. Yes, it's like so, it's. I mean, like, like, you say that as if they literally don't have like training programs for cops to be like how to spot drunk drunk drivers. Right. They literally right. like focus on that, and they they also. If it's a hot spot that has that tends to be a place that has a lot of drunk drivers, they spot up right outside of them. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah. If I was a cop, I'd be like, strip club seems like a pretty good place to. Seems like a place you would spot up at 2 a.m. Yeah. That when, when everybody's coming out and you watch the one guy, you watch the one guy come because it's not hard. Like, I swear, I one day in the I followed a drunk driver um, on as sad as it is to work. Oh, right. Yes, I was. It was the morning, and I was behind this guy on this like little one lane back and forth road. And he literally he was swerved from one lane into the guardrail, oh scraped against gosh. the guardrail, came back onto the road, and just kept driving. And I was like, didn't like didn't stop to check things out. I was like, whoa! And so the idea of <laughs> if you're driving like that, yeah, it's pretty obvious. I right. saw you were drunk because yeah. you know as as drinking always does, it always takes away you know it takes away your inhibitions, but it also takes away your ability to you know, uh, be self-aware. Right. Like, and people, reasonable. I'm, I'm awesome at pool when I'm drunk. And it's like, no, you're just drunk and you can't see how awful you are at pool. You rip the felt. <laughs> what are you talking like, about? I'm the best driver. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, um, I was I, driving fine. Yeah. I've talked about this friend before. He's the one that um, his he has addiction issues and, you know, he says like, oh, everybody loves me when I'm sober. Like, or sorry, he loves me when I'm high. Like, I can't possibly be sober because then I wouldn't have any friends. I'm pretty sure that he's also said, I drive better when I'm drunk, you know? So it's it's kind of funny that these people have, you know, like kind of a warped sense of self. Right. While we're speaking about cars, I can I just <laughs> tell you like that the car he got in, like Joe's car. Yeah. It was like a lifted truck with these like, not, is he driving in the tundra is he an ice road trucker it's carrying things to Yellowknife. what the hell were these tires they were like i feel like you're just tearing up the pavement the whole time i feel like that's kind of a thing like even john was saying you know oh. he's on his way to make it like one of the things he said a big ass truck uh, and so yeah i mean that's that's certainly a pet peeve of mine in this you know kind of culture war thing is the people who uh -huh. are like the people who proclaim themselves working class and I'm just a working class and I'm down home and I'm not one of those elites and they drive like a $70,000 truck. You're like, okay, that's that's pretty not working class, man. Like just because your expensive car is a truck doesn't really change that. But no, Were he's totally going to get a lifted, ridiculous like thing. Roll, he's a rolling coal type guy. Oh. <laughs> Were you the one who was telling me about like it's a thing with people with balls on their truck? Oh, yeah. Truck nuts. Yeah. yeah and I was like, that's not a thing. <laughs> I had literally never seen them. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I'm not that far from where they are in Virginia Beach. Right. And, and it <laughs> yeah. gets I mean, it gets pretty it gets pretty rednecky real quick in those in some parts of Virginia. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. Because like I've that. run through it. And I was like, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> Virginia's yeah. a big state. And there's lots of different types of all kinds of hicks in West in Virginia. No, I'm just kidding. Mm -hmm. um, Actually, yeah, through Maryland. Like I think, where's Cumberland? Oh, that's in Maryland. Maryland. Oh, yeah. Cumberland. yeah. So Cumberland is like West Virginia, Maryland, and Pennsylvania are all within like three miles of each other. Like you, okay. can, run, you can be in West Virginia 
run for three miles and be in Pennsylvania having gone through that Maryland. That makes way more sense. <laughs> so I ran a Ragnar and it started off in Cumberland and it was like to DC. And there were definitely a few places that I was running where I was like, where am I? Like I saw so many Confederate flags. I was like, which is so weird to me. I don't even get me started on the kick. So when you're doing that, you run, you probably, you probably ran like along the Potomac on the CNO. Right. Uh huh. And like, yeah, so Virginia at least has the excuse that they were part of the Confederacy. Sure, sure. Like, West Virginia literally broke away from Virginia because they didn't <laughs> want to be in the Confederacy. And there's like so many rebel flags in West Virginia. It drives me insane. Yeah, I, I was very confused. And then, you know, uh, I guess I always think of like those rebel flags as being like the South. And I'm like, we're pretty far north. I'm very confused what's happening. Right well, now. the other thing, you have to remember, we're there in Virginia Beach, right? I mean, they're south of Richmond, and Richmond was the yeah. capital of the Confederacy. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's it, it's not really, you know, there's it, it's just racists all over that have it. So, anyway. <laughs> I don't, but they were right. Okay. The thing is, is like, as much as we rag on John, and John is not at a very high level, he's right. not totally wrong, but Shane's not on his level. Oh, no, absolutely. But at the same time, I do have to say um, to Shane's, I don't I don't want to say credit, but in Shane's defense, Shane is also about 12 years younger than John. Uh, and so yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. if you put 12 years of like life experience, who knows? Maybe he would have training for a career by the time he's, That's you true. know, John's age. That's true. He has plenty of time to go through an HVAC program like John did. Like, right, right. Right. And yeah, that's totally true. But they were right. I mean, uh, he, they looked at his pictures. He is a cornball. Like oh, Shane is totally a total is. cornball. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel bad for him. It's inexplicable to me, but I don't get why he's so obsessed with Lacey. But it it does seem like genuine love for her, you know? And when he seems to be sober, he seems to have his life together. Like, at least in the sense of he has a job, a way to make money. He's not being a deadbeat, just trying to, like, gangbang on the street corner or something, you know? Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. I know. All right. All right. Oh, man. So student of the week. Mm-hmm. I'm realizing now I left blank because I had looked so hard and looked at all of these people and was like, they were all terrible. So I guess I'll say Lindsay's mom, Brenda, on the phone, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. She's like, get the hell out of there. Yep. Student of the because week. I gave it to Amber last week and like, I didn't want to, we, we just they don't want to default to Brittany every time. So right, I guess, right. yes. Get out of there. Maybe you should be worried about it. Like, yeah. let's get this off. I, okay. uh, I actually gave the student of the week to John. It's like, you know, he seems to, uh, I don't know. He didn't do anything terrible. He's like trying to, he's trying. I think that's why I'll give it to him. He's trying so, to be a productive member of society. I'll tell you what what really put me off, and it's 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 dumb and surface level, mm-hmm. is he's really trying to make this big daddy thing happen. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> big daddy's home. <laughs> yeah, big big daddy's back. Like it was one thing when he was like did it last year, it was Sean. It kind of made it kind of it was weird, but kind of made sense in context. Yeah. But now he's like, Big Daddy's out of prison. Big Daddy's gonna use the use the toilet. Big Daddy's wearing his net gator. It's like, stop with the big daddy thing, John. Like, come on. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> okay. What about your dunce? Uh I went with Sarah. Okay. Like, because she she mainly because she's acting like she's powerless in a situation that she's not powerless in 
Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I can't do anything about it. It just is what it is. He's Michael. And it's like, well, you don't have to live like that. You don't. And like in pretending that you do, you could have you literally she could have ended it at the courthouse. Yeah. Yeah. She really could have. Yeah, I do think she's unfortunately trying to use this as some kind of leverage to keep uh, Michael's like still in her life. Yes. Yeah, totally. and as much as I get that, you know, you want Michael in the kid's life, it's kind of like, well, is it really for the kids or is it for you as well? Right, and is what he's offering the kids now an improvement? Yeah. Is it really? Like mm. him randomly showing up every couple of months and playing with him for a couple hours? Yeah. And then leaving? Mm. Like, Yeah. Yeah. All right, my uh, dunce with Scott, predictably. Okay. I, I, I went against him because he wasn't in it. <laughs> right. But the lies, like the amount of lies yeah. we found out. And plus, okay, let's also say total dunce for, and I kind of get it. But then at the same time, it shouldn't be that obvious. Like you're really going to have a page with all your accounts and passwords written down on it. Like way to make Lindsay's life a lot easier. Right. Oh, man. I, I, I I assumed it was. She said it. It was out. It was all of them. I mean, yeah, yeah. Just you need Yeah, you need the. Uh, what's the pet? What's I forgetting what the password is. You know, the thing that does the passwords for you. Oh right, sure. A password you know, manager. You need to have a password okay. manager. Yeah. I'm not going to say that I don't do something similar because I do, but I just I don't put the entire password. I put parts of it that I'll remember. Uh huh. Right. Well, I mean, that's and the thing is about it is, is if you're not going to use something like one password and pay for a service that basically mm-hmm. stores all your passwords on a server that are that are basically in- encrypted, impossible to hack ones, yeah. which I am always a little scared of myself because I'm like, but what if they get the password to that? Yeah. Like, um, but I think everybody has to have some sort of system. You can't remember all the unique passwords for everything. It, it's oh, just right, not possible. Right. You have to come up with an algorithm. Yes. <laughs> Yes, there's plenty of those out and about. All right. What about your life lesson? So my life lesson um, is at Scott, you know, and and you kind of hit a life lesson. It was related. Um, If you're going to, you know, do things like talk to prostitutes, it's not it's actually smart to use a burner phone. Don't use a regular (laughs) phone. That's good. But if you do use a burner phone, don't leave it unlocked in your unlocked desk. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Put a password on that. Put a password on it. Have it like hidden in a safe behind the wall or something. Keep it in your glove box in your truck so it's always there. Like just what a dumb place to have that phone laying around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, So my life lesson uh, has to do with the Lacey Shane, Lacey John situation. I feel like I've said it before, but it's just like... I think really more so directed at John this time. It's like, if you break up with someone, it should just be done. And I know you're giving me that look right now because (laughs) I know I've said this and I know even more recently that I have gone back, but this will just reaffirm it. You should never go back. It is a bad idea. There is nothing good can come of it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I know. I. It's not even you saying I told you so. It's, it's even, more like you told well, yourself so. And I'm on John's case, especially with like, he literally is thinking about going back and oh, she'll come back. She'll get me. You, he legit thinks he got her arrested and he's yeah. still like, oh, I need to get her back. Like what? What? Yeah. So confusing. 
I okay. Honestly, I think with that situation, it's almost kind of a special situation because it's almost like your ego. If yeah, there's yeah, someone yeah. else involved, like he looks down on Shane as a person, right? So right. the fact that Shane is beating him out with this, it's kind of like you left me for this scrub. Like, yeah, you am I really that far down? Like that you would pick that guy over me? And so it's almost like I feel like his self esteem is on the line here, right? True. So he has to prove that in the end that he could win her back if he really wanted and that would prove that he's a better man than Shane but I think like if Shane wasn't in the picture and she was dating someone that was like major upgrade from John who knows maybe he wouldn't care so much to be like yeah this is a handsome rich dude yeah who's if she was super da- educated if she was dating like a, a lawyer who drew who, who like yeah had three Lexuses <laughs> she'd be like all right I, I get it all right okay. I get it yeah. sure why not moving on right <laughs> yeah all right. Speaking of moving on, uh, that's pretty much it for that's this it episode. For this week. Yep. So uh, we will be back a little bit earlier next week, possibly. Or do possibly. you not want the burden of editing? No, I'll probably, it'll probably be out on Saturday, we'll say. <laughs> right, right. So we are recording a little bit early, but uh, that means you'll get to hear it a little bit earlier. So Saturday release this time. Yep. All right. We'll see everybody then. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye.